Hello and welcome to the DFS underscore PhD show for Thursday night football between, oh, huh, window is closed. All right. Between Chicago and, that kind of threw me off, look up the actual teams, Chicago and Washington. Uh, remember, you're good enough, you're strong enough, and gosh darn it, somebody's got to win that money. Now let me find the Zoom window and share the screen with you guys again. That's kind of the weirdest thing ever. What's going on? Oh, huh. I don't know what interim screen it was sharing there for a second, but hopefully it wasn't too weird. Uh, yeah, so this is the one where I yell about Eberflus. Coach Eberflus, you saw me ranting about it on Twitter, and hey, look, the Thursday night game is Chicago, and this entire game is entirely affected by this stupid, stupid decision of this man. And so, first of all, I don't know what he's going to do. He's a stupid, stupid man. Coach Eberflus could do whatever he wants because he didn't kick that field goal that would have given him a 25% chance of winning it. So that's what I think this whole Chase Claypool distraction is. I think that's him saying, look over there. You know, look at this guy. And I mean, no doubt, Claypool's pompous. He's like, he's behaving like a young millionaire. Can't be surprised about that. Whose job is it to control and coach the young millionaires? It's your job, bud. So anyway, I got no idea what's going on with this guy, but... Listen to what he said about why he didn't kick the field goal. Just because of the way we were running it, it was half a yard. So I felt very confident about getting that right there. Every situation is different. You've got to look at the game in its entirety. And I think the way we were running the football and the confidence that we had on offense, in that moment, I would say that, you know, we're going to do that right there. <sighs> Anyway, so that right there, if you look at the win probability, was this decision he made where he kicks the field goal and this this bar goes back down to here to like 80% win probability because you have the lead with three minutes left. He's thinking maybe if you give him the benefit of a doubt that they could, you know, run another three plays or something, run some time off the clock. Other teams still had their timeouts, number one. Number two, only 15 yards left. So that strategy doesn't work that well. You can't get two first downs, really. You can only get one first down, and they have all their timeouts. So that strategy is not quite right either. So anyway, I'm so frustrated with this man for that decision to not kick the field goal and then obviously rightfully to lose the game. Can't get mad when he loses the game. And also, like, Justin Fields and um, uh, Zach Wilson are the two – I might have messed up his first name. But those two guys, the Jets quarterback and the Chicago quarterback, are the two quarterbacks who should feel the least bad about what happened. I mean, they didn't play great, but they played serviceable. And they lost because of very bad coaching decisions here and there along the way. So I don't – who GMs these teams that doesn't put statisticians around them, right? Like, how can you allow a man to make a decision that costs you – I mean, this is almost rounds up to an entire game of win probability, right? And I mean, like, if you if you integrate the other decisions from back when they had a whole lead, you know. But, you know, even just not counting that really, really bad decision. Um, he made a ton of other bad decisions. Uh, okay, so – as a result, we do not expect Chase Claypool to play at this point in the in the week. So a lot of this um, this episode is crystal ball, no Claypool. What do we do now? We've seen you know he's been disappeared a little bit on the field, so we kind of know who they go to when when the coach is mad at him. But I'm not. I just don't love it that we've got a dumb coach at the center of the slate. So that's what our decisions will be about. So my level of confidence is not high. I'm not, I do not think I will be taking super many shots at the million, oh, at the 500,000, whatever. Probably be less than 10 actual shots in that tournament. 
I don't know what's going on with this guy. And if I had to rely on one of his decisions to win a bunch of money at the end of the game, I might have a for real heart attack. This guy is nuts. Anyway, so let me also say uh, thank you for joining me again. Um, and uh, please like, comment, subscribe. I see only, um, yeah, almost half of you guys are not subscribed, but I am kind of impressed that half of you are subscribed. So I don't know. I was just looking at the analytics tab. I'm also impressed that 100% of you are 35 to 44-year-old males. Not really surprised about that demographic, but anyway. Uh, okay. So let's see. Nice to see you guys. I'll make more specific cultural references for us now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I have a pretty specific set of captains I'm thinking about. I should tell you, let me, let me first go to projections I've made, changes to, and rules I've added as a result. So if this is your first time watching the show, these are not my projections for these players in terms of like an optimizer makes it projection. It's not like an average of all the situations because what I, what I care about is winning. So I want to know what do I think and I think like all these guys have a one touchdown, two touchdown, whatever that ceiling is. And so this is my average across the one touchdown ceiling for Brian Robinson Jr., Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Antonio Gibson, you know, if he gets the carries. And I'm trying to see what do I think is an upside for Antonio Gibson. And I, I think I might be a little aggressive with that um, at this point in his career at having him be 12 point player. If he gets that touchdown and maybe 60 yards, he can grind out with two if he breaks 220 yarders or something, um, I don't know. That's a little aggressive. But uh, yeah, some of these. Uh, so the way I make these projections are a combination of I look at the snap counts and the uh, implied points per uh, point PPR points, given that number of snaps again, that should really be scaled by pace of play or whatever. Because, yeah. But the other thing we have to take into account is these are two very bad defensive teams. Chicago is the second to worst and Washington is the like sixth or seventh to worst. So that could go, that probably goes one way, right? That probably goes shootout. And so because I think that suggests shootout or at least higher scoring potential, even with teams that are not that fast, like the, they're running every play. Like I took screenshots of it. It's not exciting the way that they, um, Chicago team runs the ball, but it is, uh, yeah, it's what they do. And it's also the other team's bat. So they can run it down their throats and succeed. And so, you know, I think it's appropriate Justin Fields be projected the highest. Sam Howell, fine. Quarterbacks are the two best plays on the slate. You should probably get to a lot of them. I'm going to get to, I'm sure, 90% Fields, if not higher. I haven't looked at the actual. Was that... Yeah, that's fine. 90% Fields, exactly what I was expecting. A lot of Antonio Gibson, no thanks. I'll limit that at 18%, Captain, just because I think it's possible. People get really confident based on one week's usage. You saw it happen with, uh, who was it this week? People got confident about Bijan's usage, but that he's great. So I don't want to use him as a counterexample. Um, Brian Robinson's fine. He's obviously going to be who they ride here. Oh, yeah, I should tell you my rules. Um, I told you some of my buffs here, but the buffs come with rules because I'm not just randomly buffing guys like five points. The reason I'm buffing them is I'm saying one of them catches the touchdown. That's what I'm trying to model because most of these distributions for guys are not like a Gaussian right in the middle, right? Like there's a one touchdown distribution of points, a two touchdown distribution of points, and probably a tinier third bump. But I'm trying to model the the meaningful bump, the one where they kind of get to, it's not really a ceiling bump. It's like a one touchdown bump. Um, and, and in that, we find a particular opportunity for this guy, Tyler Scott, this week. So we look in the snap counts for the Bears, and we got Tyler Scott and Equiminius St. Brown are the people who seem to fill the void for... You know, the week before, no snaps for them or whatever, way less snaps. Claypool, obvious, 86% snaps. 
Mooney, number one, gets the first bump up. He gets the bump up to full-time WR2, right? 75%. Wow. They're still not employing a, a full-time. I mean, obviously, the Bears are running it all the time. So they don't really, still not that many opportunities for Darnell Mooney, but he's not priced like a, a WR2. So these are your three guys for this week that this particular slate is all about. Um, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, and Equimanius St. Brown. Everybody's going to fish are going to be on DJ Moore. Also, my best ball is on DJ Moore. So I hope I have a lot of fields more for best ball because that's what everybody thought this was going to be about. But I think this is a reasonable projection. He's a slightly worse option than McLaurin, who's an okay option, but slightly worse option than the running backs. We're going to get a ton of work. Jahan Dotson is more explosive on a per catch basis, even though he's expecting less volume. So I think that's fine. But yeah, so DJ Moore, I think they'd probably be higher than 27% just based on he smashed and people like to see that. But yeah, all these other guys, I think, are where the slate hangs. Who catches the touchdown? Is it Equimini St. Brown? Is it Tyler Scott? Who catches the touchdown and or goes for one big play, right? Um, on Washington's side, it's not as exciting because of the, the um, what, what's it called? The Claypool situation. The Claypool situation means we have much better value on the Chicago side. So I have max, I have rules of max one Chicago running back because I've, I've boosted both Roshan and Khalil mostly because I think one of them will score a touchdown for sure. And so I want to boost them both to that projection and then choose between them. Um, I don't, I know it doesn't have to be the case that you choose one, like it could be a, a mega smash five, one stack, but I, it feels like in most of the games that stay close that like 90, 95% of games, they're not both in the optimal. So I'm com- that's kind of where my rules are. Like I understand I'm, I'm cutting out some of the phase space that possibly contains winners, but Eh, you know, you got to make decisions. You got to cut down the face space. And I think these rules, the reason I'm doing it is that I'm changing the projections, right? The rules don't make sense. If you're thinking about situations in the natural set of like probability distributions, right? Like where they're both in the high tail, but I'm not in the natural set of probability distributions, right? I'm changing it to be like slightly better than their average performance for the guys who I think have a real chance of scoring a touchdown. Which again, for those watching, uh, listening to the podcast, incredible listenership. I think we popped onto some lists now, so that's fun. I don't uh, did not look up where we are on them, but apparently you get to a couple dozen listeners per day, and you are a a reasonable sports podcast. So that's funny. Uh, but yeah, the guys are Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson Jr., Roshan, Darnell Mooney, Antonio Gibson, Anquaminius St. Brown, and Tyler Scott. Um, where I think you're going to get. I mean, like I don't understand these ownerships. I don't think they're going to last. I think. You get at least 10% equanimous, hopeful. I mean, otherwise, what are y'all doing all week? <laughs> the guys who are touts, right? I mean, this, this is what you got to talk about is the guy who's out. So presumably as touts talk about the situation, the ownerships will go up. But if they don't, and you see on the final day, you have this less than 1% Tyler Scott or equanimous St. Brown captain. Yeah, I know they don't pass a lot, but that's way too little. And definitely that's going to be some of my highest leverage plays of the slate. Definitely going to take a big old bite of those. Darnell Mooney, are you kidding me at 2%? Huge amount of that. Yeah, I still don't, I'm just not excited. What is this? Why do we have so much? I just don't believe we have to get to that much Antonio Gibson. There's so many better options. You just heard me getting excited about, so I'm not going to get to that much Antonio Gibson. Oh, is it telling me? Yeah. Okay, great. Fields, awesome. Equimanius, fine. Sam Howell, fine. Okay, cool. Tyler Scott getting kind of aggressive there. I don't know if I probably set a, set a limit at 10% there, maybe 7% Tyler Scott. No, no, you know what? The reason I'm going to leave it is he's essentially the punt value. So DK's right about this in that when you take these punt value plays, it significantly limits like, because over here in the settings, right? I've set a minimum price of like 45K. 
And these lineups with um, Tyler Scott captain or whoever the min price got. Yeah. When I look at those lineups, if you come over here, you're going to be really limited because you basically have to cram in everybody. There's just very few other options. So even though they're pretty good lineups and I mean, <laughs> was that four of them are top 10 of projections, but they are going to be more chopped than implied because people will set various minima and wind up even, you know, hand builders obviously will be the first few thousand, but even people like us who are setting like our building lineups will wind up on them more often than not uh, more often than um, average, because it's a combination of conditions. When you go with a really cheap captain, then you have to jam in studs. You have to, because of the condition you already set with pricing. So as my, like what I did with the last slate was I was getting really into Charbonnet captain. And so in the end, I wound up going down to 42.5. So it's possible that if I do really like this move of jamming in Tyler Scott, and I want to make sure I have a reasonable player pool, I'll have to go down to 42.5, meaning leaving $7,500 on the table, because otherwise I won't get to rare enough. I mean, maybe even 10,000, honestly, like the real sharks are leaving 10,000 or more on these showdowns. Cause that's where, that's where the uniques are. Everyone I'm cutting out when I'm like, well, I don't want to go less than 45,000. Those are all possible winners, like unique winners, right? Nobody wants to do that. Everybody thinks that's dumb, myself included. So I don't want to do it. But if you have the risk, I mean, every night, like let's go back to also, I didn't even do the review from Monday night. Let me talk about Monday night a little bit since it's somewhat relevant and congratulations again, uh, uh, bro, taking it down. Um, but when we talk about the uniqueness, he was not, I mean, wasn't in the top 10 of seven of uniqueness, whatever, eight of uniqueness. And you wouldn't expect it. This is a very small sampling of the overall number of dudes in the competition. It's very rare that they do get part of the chop. I don't think any of them was, was McLovin? No, it wasn't McLovin. It was Chipotle addict was the one who was in on the chop. So I could check them out, but look, in order to get the most unique, look how much this dude had to live on average 12,500. I tell you what, when that when that backup quarterback came in, I bet I bet what the kid needed Drew Locke with that kind of price. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, don't know if I have any more points about the. Just you have to get to get the most unique, high unique percentage. You have to leave more than ten thousand on the table. You start leaving seventy five hundred on the table. You're building more reasonable lineups. I do remember Squirrel Patrol was in the second tier, like the next train down. Um, but yeah, so. And I mean, Emil won the very last slate, leaving 600 here. Wow. I'm impressed with Mr. Goodseeds. Look at that. 45-7. Must have gone with the unusual captain strat or something. That's incredibly high salary for that many um, uniques. But in the end, uh, oh, yeah. And my lineups were fine. Obviously, there were some problems. Charbonnet did not get the work that it looked like he was going to get starting the game. Did not do anything wrong. I thought he must have lost a fumble or something, but he didn't. Pretty good lineups, though. Had uh, three chances to be a millionaire. Oh, it wasn't 100% Charbonnet. I could have had this one with Brita. But you can see the amount I left on the table for these unique chances. 3,400, 6,500, 7,300. So you got to leave a fair amount to get unique on the slate. And it might not be quite that tight because we did have the um, Fant and Disley were in. So you had a ton of cheap options on the slate. I... I I'm not sure every slate you have to get that wild. That's why my initial run here, I think, was 45 to 48.5. That's where I think the most likely, like, best ROI lineups are. 
but I might, because I really do like some of these weird punt options and I can see why, like they can only build 35 different lineups with the combinations of constraints. I've made. And probably it's only like 70 lineups you can make anyway, even if you do lower the constraint a little bit more, just because otherwise, like you, you can't even get to that number. So I might lower the, yeah, I was happy with the results I got when I lowered the min salary on last night's slate. And I even think I maybe should have gone a little lower than 7,500, obviously, as a result of where the, <laughs> I like reflecting on it based on the uh, the potential winning of a million dollars, not the people who actually won $40,000. Again, congratulations. That's a lot of money. That's a bankroll for a minute. Hopefully you're not, you know, don't spend it all on place phones. You gotta feel good for a while. I'm gonna be living until next like freaking June off this Haywood Highsmith thing. And that's not like a figure of speech. That's like pretty how I'm definitely feeling. Okay, down at the one. Awesome. Watching the Sims over here. You should be playing. Oh yeah. Did I not send myself? I oh I uh I did. Let me pull up the uh screenshots. They're on I just left it on a different uh window. That's good. That's what they call good television. Leaving up your uh your screenshots in a different window. I won the Madden Sims yesterday. So, I, I, you know, even though I, I lost money last night, a lot of it I just won three hours ago. So easy come, easy go. Uh, 100, 180 on this one um, early uh, showdown. And then another 80 or 98 or whatever on the early classic. I don't use an optimizer. I hand build these. I go, go into full Oracle mode, the same Oracle mode that brings me to these weird, weird predictions that I give to you. Um, I think it's weird. Yeah. Why, why don't we lean more into being oracles, guys? I think we should lean more into being oracles. Um, there's an ancient tradition of dudes like in a cave trying to predict the future. So we should definitely, you know, at least uh, see what those guys were doing. Try to try to learn from the oracles. Oracle of Delphi and stuff. Y'all remember these? Anybody, you guys seen this? You heard about this? Oracle of Delphi? Right. <laughs> better better double check that's not like some horrible thing I, I half remember from 40 years ago. Um, okay, touchdown, J Dobbins. That's nice. Right. So don't think I have anything else to say. You know, based on the, uh, yeah, these lineups will not be the lineups. Obviously, I'm going to rerun several times. I just told you about some of the tweaks. I'm going to make the minimums. Um, but yeah, overall leverage, I mean, sort of by leverage, the guys I just told you about, it, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? That's why I don't. I don't think it's that valuable to get contest sims because at the end of the day, what really makes you unique and gives you the best edge in any sport, football, basketball, whatever, is these little tweaks you make to your projections. Like, and if the little tweaks you make are wrong, you're effed. And if the little tweaks you make are right, you win $100,000 and have the top seven unique lineups one night and just are freaking legend. And so just make sure you are set up so that when when your thing you say is going to happen hits, you win a bunch of money in our set for a minute, right? Like that's the overall core. But I guess, yeah, it's showdown. So that is an important point. I was like, make sure I'm not making this point on the MLB classic slate for today where don't get different. Make sure to pick good players and the best possible lineup you can within the salary provided. You want to use, it's so confusing, right? In MLB classic, use all your dang salary. Do not leave almost anything on the table today, guys. That's a mistake for sure. Then you get over here to showdown and doing the thing that was the right thing in classic is definitely the wrong thing. Don't spend all your money on showdown. So that's the kind of thing where like, if you don't, you know, if you're new to the, the game, that's going to be weird to understand that what is optimal is so wrong because it's so hard to get different in showdown that like, did I even say the bad lineups? No, I didn't even, uh, 
didn't even review the bad lineups. The bad lineups were so bad yesterday. And the day before, too, on Sunday night, they were even worse. But these ones, like splitting a thousand ways, I don't care that it's a million dollars, man. You split a million dollars a thousand ways, it's a thousand dollars. These guys could have been thousand heirs with that Kenneth Will. Remember that Kenneth Walker long run? Now, no offense. I know some of you guys had a lot of money on the line and high stakes. He was a little bit lower owned because sharks were off him. So this is the kind of like second order strategy some of you guys are in if you're playing high stakes. Because high stakes ownership really condenses around the plays that the sharps agree are sharp. And so if you have a disagreement with the sharps, the best thing to do is pop $555 on the line and go in the big tournament and put DTR at captain and it's all gone. <laughs> so that's my last week. Um, but you know, I'm, it's the right move. If you feel like it, um, pivoting off, I don't think I ever said it on the stream, but I pivoted in the hundred dollar millionaire. I think it was last week. I pivoted off fields, commit more, um, with a chain on news that Ahmed was in and that DTR was starting. So I got off of what had to have been the nut millionaire in the hundred dollar, um, it's, you know, because that I guess it's not single entry. A lot of guys are still putting a lot in there. No, it was. It was a hundred dollar single entry for a hundred thousand. I, I mean, I've never been playing for like that level of buy-in before, but that's a cool tournament, man. A single entry with a hundred k up top—that's dope. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know if, how often they run that. Maybe it's every week, and I've just been poor for a while. But uh, I'm, I'm also—I don't really like single entry because, like, you know, I had a guy get injured like right away, and I was like, uh, okay, well. I buy money. <laughs> I know how that works. Um, too bad, but you know. So yeah, I I think all the all the tweaks are going to control the slate, right? The the garbage in becomes the garbage out. So since I told the thing, hey, put a lot of Equiminius St. Brown in there. Oh, by the way, the reason I'm doing that is snap counts. He got an incredible amount of snap counts and did the worst with them. So my theory is he might do better, right? Like a regression to the mean. You know, if we do season long, he's definitely, I think, doing the worst of all these guys. Yeah. And so regression to the mean, like, he's going to do better. I mean, I guess you could put Trent Taylor in the mix as well. I assume that he's not out. I just don't have him in the mix because he's bad and will get very, very few snaps. Yeah, point. I mean, like, he get a few snaps. It's possible he's the guy. It's possible, obviously, he he is going to get a couple of snaps. So far, hasn't <laughs> converted a catch. But, you know, a target or something's not out of the question for Trent catching it. Maybe he's the guy, but I don't think one catch, unless it's the touchdown catch, even gets him there. So that's why I think your guy that like had a shocking, I was shocked. Do you see the snap count for ES? Like his percentage of snaps for Equimedia St. Brown is 60%. And I go over here and I see his um, his projection was at 2.3. 60% of snaps on the year with Claypool in. I don't think so, guys. I think he's going to get more points. Now, I don't think he's going to get 10. Obviously, we've covered it. That's my he scores a touchdown scenario. Don't let, the, don't let him catch a Hail Mary bomb. Come on, Sims. Silly. Hail Mary bombs when they're not to my guy. So silly. All right. I'll stop live watching the Sims unless you guys want to. Get, let me know in the comments. Would you prefer I, I do a Thursday night football or live tilting the Sims show? All right. That's enough. Uh, oh, yeah. Other weird tweaks down here at the bottom. These could be important if the other things don't hit, but they're not because the other we just have so much other value on the slate that it doesn't matter. We have slight misvaluings of Diami Brown, Cole Turner, John Bates, all of whom are slightly more valuable than people are estimating them. But like not that much compared to all of the uh, opportunity in the Chicago passing attack. And I should say I do. I am aware like. 
I forget what the exact chart is, but if you look at like uh, uh, pass to run ratio or whatever, they're bad. They're, they're not doing it. I have, I took the actual screenshot of that last drive. There's a reason I'm making fun of this coach, Aberflus, for like, oh, I think we're going to run it, blah, blah, blah. We all knew you were going to run it. The previous 13 plays were all either runs or short screen passes. Couldn't really tell if it was a run or not to Herbert, right? So like, we knew what was coming. You're not fooling anybody. So that's not the circumstance where you want to jam it down somebody's throat on fourth and one, as anybody who has played Madden can tell you. So yeah, Madden tie-in. It's kind of relevant. All right. So I think that's more or less all I got to say. I've been kind of going off the rails here for a few minutes. So let me just uh, wind up by saying you're good enough. You're strong enough. And gosh darn it. Somebody's going to win. I think it's $500,000 on Thursday. And it might as well be us.